You are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, connects, and equips young conservatives to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved with Forge, please visit forgeleadership.org. All right, guys, I am uh, extremely excited to have Troy on with us tonight. I met Troy about 10, 12 years ago now, and just through through friends and through, through numerous circumstances, and, and I, I, I mean, I really like to describe it that God kind of brought us together for, for who knows what purposes, but uh, Troy has been a incredible mentor and friend to me for, for that entire time. What I appreciate about Troy is, you know, when I was when I was 18 years old, I looked at him and I said, Troy, you know, like, I'm 18, I'm going to graduate college when I'm 20, you know, I want to get married, but I don't know if, you know, it's kind of out of my hands in some ways, you know, what do I do now? Like, what do I do until then? And um, the advice that Troy gave me then and the advice that he's going to give you now has changed the course of my life and has kind of put me on a path of just amazing service to God and, and accomplishment and just just some really cool things that, that, that Troy has taught me and uh, that I've been able to kind of pursue as a result of some of the things he trained me way back then to do. So Troy is an amazing man of God. He's an amazing businessman. One of the things that Troy does amongst numerous other ones is uh, he's an executive coach. He helps executive and executive teams with strategy and vision, helping them kind of see where their business is and where they are and where their businesses and where they should go to continue to succeed and prosper. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear from Troy because I'm hoping he can do the same for all of you. So, Troy, I'm going to hand it over to you. And thanks a bunch, Troy. Really appreciate you you calling in and taking the time to speak with our students. And I'm excited to, excited to hear what you have to say. Hey, thank you, Justin. Hey, it's great to be here. I welcome everyone. But I know Justin's been on you about setting some goals. Uh, he showed me, showed me the emails. And, yeah, it's a, it's a very important discipline in life. Some of what I talk about tonight will work work into that. Hopefully, what I'm going to try and do is challenge some thinking for you as you as you set those goals in terms of what goals to set or what types of things to pursue and why. And then also talk about why we maybe aren't so good at following through on goals that we set. And it all really comes back to behaviors, and we're going to dive into that here as we get into the session. Because I'm going to tell you that really the all the principles that are needed for success in life and, and really pretty much any in, endeavor are known. We, we know the principles for success, but few Few individuals, few organizations discipline themselves with those principles. Uh, why is that? We're going to look at a few things that get in the way of that. And uh, as we as we dive in uh, here in a minute, I'm going to uh, challenge you and do a little exercise. Get to go pen to paper for a minute. I'll be quiet on my end and, and let you write down a, a couple of thoughts. So as we get into talking about goals and priorities, we're going to under, try and understand why it is we have uh, such a hard time changing behaviors in our life. Why, you know, we don't want uh, goals to be set that are going to just be New Year's resolutions and 
waste away after one week or one month of the year. And as you all probably were, you hear the statistics, how many people sign up for gym memberships, starting diets, et cetera, et cetera, at the beginning of the year. And a lot of those fade away by, uh, the, by the time February rolls around, definitely by March. So here's the exercise. Pen to paper for a minute, or if you get at your computer, you can type. I'd like you to think of a, some habit that you changed in your life, that you either something you started doing or something you stopped doing at some point in your life. So take a minute, think about that, then I'm going to have a couple of follow-up questions. So typically when I'm doing this live, I can see people writing, uh, and I can kind of gauge when people have had a chance to write it down, but I'm just going to kind of be quiet here for 15 or 20 seconds, which will seem like an eternity on the phone, uh, but I'll give you a chance to write it down. Talk, write down. Time, some habit you started or stopped in your life. All right, when you have that down, uh, I want you to think about a couple things with that uh, habit that you started or stopped, that something you started or stopped. I want you to think about when did you know it would be beneficial for you to start or stop that habit? And how long was that before, how long did you know it would be beneficial for you before you actually made the change, the habit change? As you jot a note there, the next question is, what sparked the change? What, what was the impetus in your life to get you to finally make the change? So I'm not talking about, again, something you did that's a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about something you changed in your life that uh, became an ongoing habit, a part of your life, either in a, something you stopped that you realized would not be beneficial for you or something you started that would be beneficial. And most of the time, the period of, there's some period of time before you change when you actually know it would be beneficial for you to make the change, but you don't change. It's not very often that as soon as we know uh, that something would be good or bad for us that we make the change. And there's that period of time in there where we don't commit. And then something sparks that change. So, you know, this this is... This is human nature. In fact, if you were to, if you were to look really hard at people even with significant healthcare issues, they have a hard time changing behaviors. They have a hard time making a habit change even after they've gone uh, under the knife. So I have a quote in the PowerPoint there from Dr. Edward Miller, former dean of the medical school and CEO of the hospital at John, Johns Hopkins University, he said, if you look at people after coronary artery bypass, that's open heart surgery. They lay on the table, they cut right down through your the middle of your chest bone, lay you wide open, and work on you. So if you were to look at them after two years, 90% of them have not changed their lifestyle. And that's been studied over and over and over again. Even though we they know they have a very bad disease and they know they should change their lifestyle for whatever reason they can't. Uh, fr- frankly, it's just it's plain hard for us to change, especially when we have long entrenched habits. Why is it so hard? Well, 
for starters, we're human. You, Chip and Dan Heath in their book, Switch, talk about change. They talk about what it takes in making a change, and they talk about this tension between rational and emotional thinking. That rational thinking is going to pursue the long-term benefits of a change. Emotional thinking seeks to avoid the short-term pain of change. So the emotional will contend to win over the rational because we don't want to go through the pain that would be caused by making the change in our habit. So you can appeal to people's rational side, but the more important factor is figuring out how do you ignite emotional impetus in the other person. Now, this is if you're, you're leading uh, other people, but think of yourself just for your own sake of what can you do to create spark in your own life to ignite that emotional impetus to get you to change. So sometimes you uh, people talk about they'll put themselves in an, in a moment, in an event, in some situation uh, that allows them to actually see what it is they're dealing with. So, for example, if you want to create a spark in your own life, you might, uh, for example, uh, go on a missions trip, or you might go spend a night a week for a month or two months feeding homeless people. Now, through the winter, say, maybe you go and, and help feed homeless people one night a week through the winter. And putting yourselves in those situations can actually help you create that emotional spark. I'm just trying to give you some ideas of even for yourself, you can create spark. So the Heath Brothers, they identify best practices for helping people change in, in organizations, Leaders talk about this, and they talk about engineering those moments. What are you doing to engineering the moments that are going to create the spark, the impetus to change? If you're going to set goals, the biggest obstacle in your way is yourself. So you got to think of ways to spark the emotion. It's going to allow you to change habits and work on things that are for the long-term benefit through the short-term pain. So you've heard the, you've heard the expression, no pain, no gain. Uh, there's a reason that that expression has is, is become uh, trite. It's because it's so true. It, it really takes a lot of effort for us to change. So let me run through this evening our time together. Uh, the first segment here, I'm going to walk through what I call foundations, practical considerations for your life's work, and then we'll have some Q&A time at the end. If you're following with me on the slides, sorry, I don't have page numbers on there, but I'm going to the four primary foundations. Quick overview. These four foundations, spiritual, build a strong biblical foundation and a personal devotion habit. Second, you got financial, build a solid personal economic engine. Third, build a habit of generosity with both time and money on the personal side. And then the relational side, build a life of purity for your spouse and family. For some of you or most, I'm not, not sure all your status, but probably most of you that's sometime in the future, but it's something to be working on now. Let's look at each one of those a, a little bit deeper to spiritual. First key is you have to build time into your schedule. You build time into your schedule for getting your exams, uh, studying for your exams, for uh, scheduling time to maybe do exercise, schedule time for relationships. You have to schedule time for Bible reading for that quiet time in prayer. That's sort of the, the key to a strong spiritual life. Second, Everything that you do and everything else you read, learn how to filter that through the lens of the Bible. The Bible doesn't speak to everything, but it has principles that you'll be able to apply to everything in life as you, as you make decisions and go forward. Third is then develop the skill of applying God's Word into your own life, and that takes time. And that's actually 
really the definition of wisdom. When you get to the point where you can apply God's word in your life, that's where that, that's really true wisdom. To understand God's word in a way that makes change happen in your life. Second, the uh, pr- financial primary foundation. A few points on that. Find a way to spin your own economic engine, even if you currently work for someone else. So you may not be an entrepreneur. That's fine. If you are, that's great. Uh, you're just looking for a way to spin your own economic engine. Find find things to do outside of your uh, your work or job that will build into your financial engine in the long run. It, it may be uh, a new skill. It may be you, you may start a small business on the side. You, you may find a way to uh, manage your financials more tightly through budgeting. You, you have to go through those exercises. Personal sacrifice is obviously going to be required. Uh, don't let yourself live to the full extent of your income. It's the only way you're going to uh, net gain financially. And third, it's not so much about wealth. It's not so much about building wealth as it is about an economic engine so you can provide for your family, manage household, and and give as needed when others when there's others in, in need. So I want to make a quick uh, warning note here related to financial. I'm not really talking about building financial wealth and an economic engine for the sake of something you can put your trust in that I, I, I can stand independent and on my own. I actually think that that's very dangerous to put your trust in either of those things, your wealth or your income producing ability. The Bible says that it's God that grants your wealth and it's God that grants your income producing ability. So never lose sight of uh, where your trust needs to be placed. For example, don't place your trust in insurance. Don't place your, your trust in the fact that uh, you, you've got an investment that produces X amount of money. There's so many things that can happen in the world. If you read through the Bible, the Bible is very explicit. In the, the money, uh, it, it, it will rot away. It will waste away. It will rust away. It, it, it just will go with the wind. So don't put your trust in it, but use it. It's a, it can be a, 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 your economic engine and wealth can be used for good purposes throughout your life. First, take care of your family. Second, take care of others in need. All right, moving to the third, the relational foundation. A few things there. The first is just be careful in your relationships with people of the opposite sex. As you're you're young, just, just guard yourself. And it's more about guarding yourself and not letting yourself lead others on and being irresponsible in, in the manner in which you do that. It's not to say don't have friendships with, you know, boys with girls, girls with boys. That's not that's not the point. You have very good friendships with people of the opposite sex, and, and that's fine. But keep your, keep your heart and mind guarded and try really hard not to lead, especially, you know, intentionally lead someone else on and, and then leave them, leave them hanging as you move on to, uh, you know, something else in terms of a different relationship, whatever. Just be, be careful in that. It's not, I don't know, seeing a lot of young people through my life, when, and my wife and I get to work in youth ministry at our church as well, and it just, uh, you see the pain and hurt that come to young people when they, they, they don't guard themselves and they give themselves over to relationships at, at a young age. It's not even always sexually, but it can even be just be emotionally. They give themselves over, and then something happens that breaks up that relationship, and uh, it's really difficult for them. So be able to have good friendships and not let it not have something get in the way emotionally 
or physically in the relationship. I'm going to speak to young men here for a minute, although it can happen to young ladies as well. Pornography is, is just a terrible issue. It's Right now in our world, it's this material is so accessible. It's something that's very private. It's something that's very deceptive. When I say, you know, pornography, it's, it's a deceptive sin. It's a private sin. And just work really hard. And if you... If you're not into it, think about an accountability partner. If you're already into pornography, find tools, find ways to to remove those uh, temptations. So there are software tools online to help you be accountable to websites you're going to. Uh, They probably have them for phones uh, now, too. And and then the biggest thing is just having a good accountability partner that you have to check in with on that issue. Third, relationally, then, is learn how to forgive. It really is the relational glue. No marriage, no friendship, no family-sibling relationship is going to be able to survive long-term if there's not forgiveness in the relationship. It it really is what it takes to hold together over the long run because there will be difficulties. No, Without a doubt, in any long-term relationship, there will be difficulties. It's how you're able to handle those, to forgive, and to love in, in, in spite of those difficulties or differences in the relationship. The fourth foundation, then, is the personal, build a habit of generosity with both time and money. So as you have the means, even if that's small, is find ways to give of your resources, give selflessly. When you're really young and you don't have a lot of financial means, that may be you may donate time, you may donate a skill, and that's perfectly acceptable. You're finding ways to use resources that God has given you to to help others. This will help defeat self-absorption, which is, a, is an issue we all face, especially when we're young, if you're young and single. Uh, it's just a time in life where you're making decisions for yourself. You only have to think about yourself if, uh, for the most part. If you want to do something, you do it. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're hungry for pizza, you have pizza. You don't, there's not someone else wanting Chinese, whatever it happens to be. So you can be, become self-absorbed very easily, even without realizing it. And giving selflessly is a way to counteract that. Giving money specifically can help break the hold of money on your life. And just remember that Giving is an investment in eternal treasures. God's scale of returns is magnitudes larger than the best investments you could ever make on earth. So I'm not saying you don't make investments. Simply saying make sure you're taking time to invest resources into eternity, not just in the here and now. The here and now goes by really quick. When I was young, I say young, coming out of college, I I was blessed. Uh, I worked in the CPA world, and I, I was introduced to uh, a client in our firm. He was an old, older gentleman at that time. He was probably in his early 70s. He and his wife did not have children. His wife, at the time I met him, already had uh, fairly severe Alzheimer's had set in, and he took care of her in their apartment until uh, it, just, it was too dangerous. He couldn't, he couldn't do that anymore. So he took her to a nursing home. He went and visited her every day. I think she was there six years until she died. And you know, this this gentleman was 50 years older than I was. And going through my early, tw- early and middle 20s, 
specifically, and then, you know, I remained good friends with him uh, through the end of his life. He, he passed away in 2010. So ended up, you know, I knew him about 20 years. And he would always remind me of eternity. So he's 50 years older than, than me. So, again, he's, he's in his 70s, 80s, and got in, you know, into 91, 92 when he passed away. And he was always speaking God's word or from the perspective of God's word into my life and reminding me of, uh, of eternity. You know, it's really easy to get wrapped up in pursuing whatever our vocation or work is here when you're in your 20s and 30s and to lose sight of the fact that eternity is more important and this life goes by very quickly. It was just great perspective for me to have someone who had been successful in business, who had, you know, had, had, had lived life through that stage and said, hey, just remember, I'm, I'm telling you from someone on the other, on the other end of this deal, don't forget eternity. Don't get so caught up in where you're at now that you lose sight of what God has in the end for us. Okay, let me uh, talk about three disciplines to help you uh, accomplish your why in life as you set goals. Keep in mind in setting goals that some of the foundation things we went through, hopefully that will challenge, spark some thinking for you in setting some of the goals in some of the different areas of your life. I thought Justin did a great job of laying out in his example of the different categories in which to set goals for your life. To that, encourage you don't set a big long list of, of tasks down as your goals for the year. Prioritize. Think through what are the two or three most significant things I could accomplish this year in this area of my life that would uh, move me ahead the most. It would be have the most value and benefit for me. And even if it's only one, even if there's some area of your life that you just have one big goal for the year, that's perfectly fine. Better to have fewer and be able to prioritize on that than, than less. And we're going to talk about that in a little more detail in a minute. Second, leverage rhythm. Understand the rhythm of your work and life. We'll speak about that in a little more detail. And then actively learn. Cultivate a humble, open learning mindset. A little more about each of these. First, the priorities. The sun is a powerful source of energy. So it's constantly bathing the earth megawatts of, uh, of, of energy. And you can be out in that and be protected with some sunscreen, a hat, a loose long sleeve shirt, and you're not going to get sunburned. But if you're not protected, you, you know, that, that energy just gets through. So you can protect yourself from the billions of megawatts of energy coming from the sun, but if you were to take a laser and focus just a few watts of energy into a co coherent stream of light, that laser is going to cut through diamond, metal, whatever. It's just, it really creates a powerful beam of energy and again, it's just a few watts. So this is a illustration Al Reese uses in his book Focus. And this whole idea, when you talk about priorities, again, I'm going to encourage you, it's so easy to go set a task list and to write down, you know, boom, 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 5, 10, 15, 20 different tasks that you want to accomplish. You know, you may have to put an action plan with some tasks around these goals, but understand what the big goal is, the, the two or three big goals. Uh, in these different areas of your life for the whole, if you're looking for the year, for, for the year 2018. Peter Drucker, 
uh, talked about, you, you haven't prioritized until you've said no to things. So you can put the task list down, but until you say no, until you excuse some things off the list, you haven't, you really haven't prioritized. Now, prioritize, prioritization, I work with this concept all the time with teams. We're constantly doing it. Uh, I'm in sessions every quarter with leadership teams, and we're hammering through what are the right priorities to set for the organization? What are the right priorities to set for the year, for the long term, for the next 90 days? And, you know, then they'll, they'll work on executing those. But getting to the right priorities takes some conversation time when you, when you have a group of people. And we're, we're very good at, again, listing everything. Peter Drucker, you have to say no to something on that list. So, be, don't be afraid as you're creating your goals, don't think that you're first draft and done. It's kind of like the composition class in college. If you turn in your first draft, you're probably not going to get as good a grade as if you were to work through a second and third draft and have some refining input from an editor in, into those drafts. Your end product would be so much better. Same thing for your goals. Until you've sort of refined, you've created the list, you've, you know, Debated, maybe you have someone in your life that can help you talk through, hey, here's some different things I'm thinking, challenge me on them, and then you net it down. You take some things off the list, you say no, 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 and you get it down to that list. So work in sort of draft stages, second stage, third stage draft before you finalize your goals. Then let's talk about uh, harnessing the rhythm. So whatever work you do, you know, if it's, if you're primarily focused in school, or a combination of school and work, there's some rhythm in your life. And let's consider uh, your school, your work, part of your work. You have some rhythm to that. Understand the rhythms uh, in order in order to be able to balance work and personal commitments. If you understand the rhythm, natural rhythm, you can work with that natural rhythm, balance different types of work. As you, as you work on different types of things, it actually breaks up and helps your mind rejuvenate. And your body, you know, can also rejuvenate as you do different things. Different activities require different amounts of brain and physical energy. So find ways to balance different types of work. And I've seen that. And then it will help accelerate your creative output. So you've all experienced this. You know, the end of a day, end of a day is not a good time to set priorities. That's why people talk about first thing in the morning, take the list with a fresh mind. And, and write write down your priorities for the day. Now, before you go to bed, some of, some of you may have a hard time turning your mind off, and you need to just write down a list of things that need to get done. That's fine. But don't take that as your priority list. Take that list, and again, on a daily basis, go back through that, and first thing in the morning, order the work that you're going to do. Understand, for, for example, that there will be work that you'll be better able to do focus and concentration-wise and energy level at different times of the day. Different people are different, but usually, usually for most of us, first thing in the morning because our bodies have been, our bodies and minds have been resting, it's a good time to have two to three really focused hours of concentrated work, whether that's studying uh, or creative work at the job. And you, you know it's a big difference. For me, if I have the ability to structure my day when I'm doing development work or work work in my office, I have big projects to work on and I'm not with a client, I will tend to try and find 
something that I can make a significant impact on with two to three focused hours of time in the morning. And if I have that time and can make good progress there, then the rest of the day is kind of like bonus. I can I can handle email. I can do uh, meetings. So I'll schedule my meetings out with people. I'll tend to do an end of the afternoon meeting as opposed to a breakfast meeting if I have if I have a choice or even a lunch meeting because sometimes I'm, I get into a groove. I get into you've heard the term flow. I'm sure I get into flow, and then all of a sudden my my schedule's beeping at me that I have a lunch meeting. It's like oh man, sometimes you know. I may be in flow and it may be one o'clock in the afternoon and then it's time to break for lunch. So not having that lunch commitment allows me to have flexibility and to maximize my creative time, to maximize my focus time. And then the afternoon, phone calls, emails, and meetings. So I'll meet someone at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, even at 5 o'clock because, you know, I typically would try and be wrapped up by, with my work stuff, 6, 6.30. So I'm even fine meeting someone at 5 o'clock if they're fine with it. It's better for me then. Those are very easy things for me to do when my brain is tired, is to have conversation, to do networking, to do relationship stuff, to take care of email and phone calls, as opposed to hard creative thinking, moving a big project forward. Now, again, I'm not saying you have to follow that rhythm. I'm just giving you an example of rhythm in a life and understand your rhythm, the rhythm of your work and your school situation. Many of you, if you're in school, you're on break. And so now's the time to take care of some things that you were putting off during the semester. I'm sure you all had a few of those things. Like, oh, wow, there's Son Justin's, uh, I'm sorry, his goal list. He had a number of books. That's a great time to read those books that you weren't able to get to in school because you were wrapped up in having to do reading, reading textbooks and reading uh, articles and research papers for your classes. And take advantage of that time to do some some of that alternative type of reading that you want to do to progress forward. Take that time to build into relationships that you maybe didn't have the time to during the semester. But work consciously. Work deliberately in that fashion. Don't just let that time slip away from you. Work with the rhythm of that. And don't, because it's easy for three or four weeks of a, of a school winter break to just slip by and not to have productive time. And usually we have enough time with family, friends, kind of goof-off time. We don't need solid day after day of that type of thing. So think of the different types of work and activities you can do that are building towards your goal list that you didn't have time to do because of that rhythm of school during the course of the semester. So, again, just trying to find different ways to help you think about the rhythm in your life and working with the rhythms as opposed to against the rhythms. You know, the breaks are the time to take you know, to take your your trips, the breaks are the time to take your vacations. You know, for me, there's certain times of the year in my work that I know that's the time for me to take vacation. Uh, I know there's definitely times of the year where it's not time to take vacation, so I don't schedule personal time off during those times. Uh, It would be frustrating to me if I was trying to schedule things off at certain times of the year, and it would be frustrating for my family. So, uh, we all understand what those rhythms are and talk about them so that we can structure our lives around that. And that allows us to, uh, again, accelerate our output on goals we have set. The third, then, is element there, actively learn, keep an, keep an open mind, and never become so important in your own mind that you miss opportunities to improve. If you, if you really think about it, 
if you're not open to learning, if you're not open to growing, if you're not open to someone challenging you, you're really saying, I don't want to improve. I'm, I'm as good as I can get. And I think it's a dangerous place for any of us to get. We may all get there from time to time in our lives and we, and we kind of plateau a little bit. Uh, work hard not to, not to turn, let plateau turn into drift or you're just drifting for a period of time and not working to improve, not working to engage your mind and learn and, and build into new things that are ahead of you. Again, there's so many things that you all have in front of you that you want to accomplish. So I know that you all are active learners already. Just keep pursuing that throughout your lifetime. All right, so that's really kind of what I wanted to run through this evening. And again, it's not really, I might, it wasn't really about what to set for your goals, but some things to think about in some of the different categories of your life, how to think about goal setting, and, and important things to keep in mind, those foundational elements, the, the personal, the financial, the relational, and, uh, and the spiritual. And then also, as you prioritize and learn to work with the rhythm and keep an open mind toward, toward learning, those things will help you accomplish those goals. With that rhythm, Justin talked about how he, he reviewed those goals. So set up a time when you're going to review those goals throughout the course of the year. Once a month is a good rhythm. Go back and touch them. If you need to modify them, modify them, but at least chart your progress toward those goals as you go through them. So these disciplines are what I see in terms of my work with clients, my personal life through the years, disciplines that you try and work into your life, their priorities that you, you, you try and keep or focuses those foundational elements, try and keep those foundational elements in focus all the way through life. But they're really important for you to get a handle on here at, at this, uh, the early stage of your vocational work as you're building your skills through college and the early days of your work. And in the end, ultimately, your ability to set goals is going to come back to your ability to set aside short-term pleasure or to set aside the fear of short-term pain in order to pursue some things that will have long-term benefit. Back to how few people really will make those choices, but you have the opportunity to step forward and do that, to change those habits in your life and make a difference. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review and be sure to subscribe for all our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.